is Bean to Barstool, a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate. My name is David Nelson. I'm a professional beer writer and an advanced Cicerone and the creator and host of this show. The music for this episode is by my dear friend, indie folk musician Anna P.S. You can find out more about Anna's music in the show notes or at her website, annapsmusic.com. You can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. Hey everyone, this is David Nelson, creator and host of Bean to Barstool, and today I'm sharing a quick bonus episode with a short interview with Natalia Watson, a beer educator living in the UK who brings enthusiasm and expertise to the experience of learning about beer. Nat is an advanced Cicerone and leads a virtual beer school through her website beerwithnat.com that helps people of varying knowledge levels learn more about beer in an inviting and non-intimidating format. This former UK marketing manager for the Duval Mortgat Brewery in Belgium also runs the Beer with Nat podcast that highlights amazing women in the world of beer. And she's also the author of the book Beer, Taste the Evolution in 50 Styles, published in 2020. I talked recently with Nat about how we develop a better tasting vocabulary and ability to describe beer, and she highlighted the importance of practice and curiosity. So much of it is practice. It's about reading the style descriptions first, particularly if we're thinking about beer. So my way of getting to know my beer styles a bit better was reading the style descriptions from BJCP uh, and understanding what am I supposed to be finding in a classic example of a certain style. So for example, with uh, Cezanne, with Cezanne Dupont, you may find some lemony aromas uh, in terms of citrus and black pepper. So I would go to the supermarket, I would buy a lemon, I would buy some black pepper, then I would smell and taste the beer at home using the descriptors and try and find what I think of as lemon, what I think of as black pepper, and then I would compare it to the actual food ingredients to make sure what I think I'm smelling is indeed what those food ingredients smell like. And I think that's a key piece that a lot of people miss We often think, oh yeah, I'm definitely smelling lemons. I know what that smells like. And then when you have a lemon next to you, you're like, oh darn, that's actually grapefruit. That's not lemon. So making sure that you go back to the frame of reference to understand what those ingredients really are, make a good memory in your brain. And then when you do smell it in a beer, you can recall it and you can identify it. So, so much of it is just building that structure. So knowing what you're looking for, making sure you uh, smell and taste those ingredients on their own so you can make those memories and then it will make it much easier for you to be able to identify and describe them when you find them in a beer. Can you talk through some of the aromas and flavors that maybe your life has exposed you to and made you more ready to be able to recognize than they might be for somebody else? And on the other side of that, maybe some that you have had to work to become familiar with, whereas other people might have had a, a more ready familiarity with them. That's a good question to think about it both ways. I think, so my background, I grew up in Northern Ireland. And then again, as I said, my family moved to California, but really everything we ate was quite bland. Everything in Northern Ireland is like meat and potatoes. Uh, So we had an awful lot of that. So I don't do spicy food particularly well. I don't really ever include chilies or even ginger or other spices when I cook. So those were a lot of things that were sort of missing for me. So when it comes to basic malt descriptors, so things like bread, I know a load of different types of breads, so that's easy enough to pick out. But when it comes to some of the more complex, um, even some of the different sort of spice characteristics, 
when we are trying to describe hops and we often say hops are spicy, I'm like, okay, what spice are we talking about here? You know, I really need to dig into the, like my herbs and spice shelf uh, and kind of figure out, okay, what did this one smell like versus this one? Uh, because it, I just didn't really have that much exposure to them. So I'm, yeah, I guess being exposed to the basic malt ingredients is maybe something. Uh, and also my love slash addiction to coffee uh, has helped me detect those sorts of things in, you know, the roasted notes in a stout. But I would say it's sort of the more, interesting or exotic ingredients or spicy ingredients I had no exposure to those and I almost still kind of struggle with maybe not necessarily recognizing them I think I've practiced to try and recognize them but enjoying them like a chili stout usually not my beer just because I don't really have a high tolerance for chili those sorts of things so yeah I think I've had a rather neutral base to work from should I say from my bland northern Irish cuisine um, but then it allows me to just grow from there so I wouldn't say I've got any back pocket sort of tricks that my that my upbringing exposed me to unfortunately I don't know. The bread is pretty helpful. If you can recognize different bread flavors, that's pretty specific description for some of those malt flavors. Okay, good. So I got one. But yeah, even <laughs> just thinking about, well, I ate a lot of sweets and like unhealthy things as a kid. So, uh, you know, thinking about those Teddy Graham crackers in that description or that Kicks description from Hudson Valley Brewery, I was like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Like, I know all these unhealthy things they were talking about. The other thing as well, growing up in the States and then moving to the UK, which is where I'm based now, even saying something like water cracker. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this, these sort of light malts taste like water cracker. They don't have that word here. It's a, like a table cracker. So I was like, um, so I'm saying water cracker, water cracker, water cracker. They have no idea what I'm on about. So I had to go Google it and be like this product. And they're like, oh yeah, we call it this. So little things like that are those cultural uh, trip ups are something to be aware of too. It's funny. I think that happens sometimes in the other direction from the UK with when we talk about biscuity flavors with malt. We're not talking about like Southern American biscuits. We're talking about like more like confections, you know, like cookies from the, from the UK. And I think it trips a lot of people up and they just assume that, well, that must be what biscuits taste like. And I'm not thinking of it right. You know, like, because it's, they're, they're not realizing yes. that that's not a biscuit like we think of it in the U.S. Exactly. So again, it's that confusion over what we think something tastes like versus what it actually smells or tastes like. So it's really good to make sure you actually reference the ingredient and, and ask those questions to clarify. What do you mean by biscuit? Are we talking about this one or this one? I have a friend who's a beer sommelier who's been one for a very long time. And she, like some of her descriptors, when I'm next to her doing tastings, I'm like, God, I really need to up my game. You know, it's like warm brownies fresh out of the oven and chocolate covered cherries with a drizzle of white chocolate. And, and that then encourages me to keep pushing myself to be like, okay, it's not just a cherry. It's not just a chocolate covered cherry. What's that extra thing in there? And it takes a lot of time and effort to, to get yourself there, I think. Yeah. And you want to make sure, well, at least for me, that you're being realistic and honest and not just using fancy sounding words for the sake of it. Bringing them in so they know enough, but then elevating beer more broadly for everybody as well. What was the last beer you had that got you excited? Hmm, I just drank some Saison DuPont on draft over the weekend. That was pretty exciting. Nice. Right, it's hard to come by on draft. I'm used to having it from a bottle and it felt a lot more bubble gummy on the nose than I was used to. Again, I think of it as quite a lemon pepper a lot higher bitterness, um, very dry in the finish, those lovely rustic grain notes. But really when I was smelling it on the nose, uh, when I had it in a glass, it was, yeah, very bubblegummy, but then you've got all that bitterness on the palate, that little bit of black pepper. So it's interesting experiencing a beer in a bottle versus a beer on draft and thinking of it one way and then realizing, oh, it can be slightly different based on how it's made, how it's served, that sort of thing. So yeah, that was a nice experience. And also it was you know, one of my first trips back out to the bar after everything's been shut down. So that was nice as well. 
I hope you enjoyed this quick bonus episode of Bean to Barstool. You can find out more about Nat, listen to her podcast, find her social media links, and sign up for her online beer classes all at her website, beerwithnat.com. Next Tuesday, I'll be back with a full-length episode talking with Tobias Sishon and Ray Rosado, the husband and wife co-founders of Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Tobias and Ray love fantasy and mythology, they even got married on Halloween, and we'll have a conversation about how this love for the fantastic and weird informs their beers, including beers brewed with single-origin cacao from a Chicago-area bean-to-bar chocolate maker. We'll also hear from Annabelle Popa, the artist who creates the fantastical artwork for their taproom and beer labels. Until then, I hope there's something good in your glass. Thanks for listening to Bean to Barstool.